Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Well, Happy New Year to you all. It is a packed service. I'm so happy to see you. If you're a visitor here at Kalos, welcome. It's wonderful to have you with us. And Pastor Prettyman mentioned this earlier that we are starting 21 days of prayer and fasting tomorrow. Do you know that Kalos Church has done this every, uh, for each year, all six years, every January. And it's an incredible way to start the new year. I always say this, some of the most profound moments of our church and of our story have a a, a time of fasting has always preceded that time. Last year, we literally moved into this building after our fast. The year before, we signed a lease to have a building. And so there's a story after story of the breakthrough that happens when we really just adjust for a season of time where we give God all of our devotion. We align ourselves to him. And I want to invite you to join us. And this doesn't have to be crazy, okay? But maybe you need to fast sweets or whatever it is, just something that maybe just causes a lot of your time or distraction that you can put aside for 21 days and join us. Now, maybe you're out there and you're thinking, well, there's really nothing in my life that I need breakthrough for. I don't even really know about how healthy my relationship with Jesus is. I really still struggle with a lot of skepticism and cynicism about my relationship with God. I don't know that I am somebody that should be fasting. And can I just tell you this morning that there are no prerequisites for this. All you need to do is say, God, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. I'm going to set aside some distraction, and I want to align my heart with you. And so I want to encourage you. You know that for six years, I've been fasting and praying for many different things. There's one thing that every single year I fast for, and I am going to keep fasting and keep praying for breakthrough in this area. And I tell you, one day I'm going to stand up on this stage, and I'm going to say, thanks be to God, because he honored my requests. And you know that the Bible says that when you ask and you seek God, he will be there. And I think what's so great about Jesus is he doesn't force himself on you. He's waiting for some of you to knock. He's waiting for some of you to just seek him. And so join us in this 21 days because I believe that it's going to be truly powerful. I think it's going to be fruitful. And at the end of the day, maybe for you, what this fast is about is just devoting your life to Jesus. Just walking in greater devotion to your life with God. Do you know that every single year, when I really take inventory of the last year, and I step into a new year, I'm looking at the blank slate of the new year, I think to myself, You know, the most important part of my life is my devotion to Jesus. It's the most important thing. And so every year that I make a new resolution or I step into a new year, I try to be honest and I try to walk with God in devotion with him. But can I be real with you? The most important thing about my life, which is my devotion to Jesus, is sometimes the most daunting part of my life. Sometimes it's the part where I say, I care so much about this part of my life. It's the most important thing, and yet it's where I put the least amount of my time, right? And I think that God wants to make an invitation to us this year in 2024 to be greatly devoted to him. 
greatly devoted to him. I mean, have you ever gone into a new, new year and you said, this is the year that I am going to take my Christianity seriously. This is the year that I'm going to walk with God. I say it every year, but no, this is the year. And have you ever tried it and then you get in it and then you just fail miserably? Anybody that's happened to I know that's happened to me. And I want to tell you this morning that I believe there are practical ways that we can walk with God. It's the most important part of our lives. And so whenever I feel like I've kind of spiritually failed at something, you know what I ask myself? I say, well, how did the people in the scripture do it? How did they stay faithful? How were they so enthusiastic about Jesus? And I want to read a scripture this morning in Acts 2.42. And what it is, is it's, it's what we call the birth of the early church. The, it's after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit had come down with tongues of fire and people were on fire for Jesus. And they were committed and they were devoted to a life with God. How did they do it? What does it look like to be a devoted person to Jesus. Let's look at, the, look at this in Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted, everybody say devoted. devoted. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is what it looks like to be devoted to Jesus. You know the Greek word in this uh, scripture actually translates into this meaning of an ongoing relationship with God. Did you know that you didn't just get saved so that you could sit and just wait for the end? You have an opportunity to be devoted to Jesus, to walk with him in a meaningful way, in a way that actually matters for your life, an ongoing fellowship with God. Isn't that incredible? That is something that we have the opportunity to do. And these believers, listen, these believers were single-minded. They were followers and passionate on ongoing pursuit of Jesus Christ. You know, the devotion was something that Jesus talked about. It was important that we not be split in our devotion, not have a dual devotion. But look at, uh, look at Matthew 6. It says this. Jesus is talking. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted. Everybody say devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Church, I just want to tell you this morning that devotion to Jesus is foundational for the formation of your faith. It is, it is foundational in order for you to grow. But listen, too many of us, too many of us have been dipping our toe in Christianity for far too long, and that's all the further we've been going. Too many of us try to do this Christian thing halfway. Some of us, we just want to choose times in our life where we're more serious about God than other times. And I want to tell you that God wants us to be fully devoted every single day, multiple times a day, and to be single-minded. I mean, have you ever been so devoted and committed to something that you were willing to see it through no matter what? Anything like that in your life? Well, 
This happened to Pastor Pretty and I, our family, over break. We decided to take our children to Disney World for break. And it was my first time to Disney World. And I felt like my daughter, who is a four-year-old little princess. She was literally dressed up in a dress. And it was magical, people. And we kept going to parents. We kept telling them, hey, listen, we're taking our kids to Disney World. And you know what they said? Good luck. I mean, long lines, it's hot, it's fried food, kids are melting down everywhere, you know? And we were like, oh yeah, but I was like, what about the magic? I always heard about the magic of Disney, you know? Like, this is my first time, you know? And I'll tell you what, we were committed. We were devoted to the magic and the experience of Disney. So much so that we decided we're going to go on as many rides as we can. We're going to eat as much fried food as we want. We're going to do everything that Disney has to offer, and we will end the day with the Disney exhaustion, as they call it. But we were committed. We were devoted to this, and so each one of our family members, including my father-in-law, each one of us, or five of us, we got to pick one ride that we were going to go on, and all of us had to go on that ride, okay? We were going to do this together. We were committed, and so my ride that I wanted to do was the very first ride that we saw when we walked into Magic Kingdom, and we saw that Magic Castle, and I thought my dream was to ride the teacups with my daughter. That is not a good ride to start with. <laughs> we got on those teacups and I thought it was going to be magical and it was really fun for my kids and for Pastor Pritibin who was making the thing spin so much that I literally was sick for an hour after the dang teacups. Okay, now listen, it went, the, the magic didn't leave though, okay? I still believe in it. And so we get off the teacups and I'm like, man, if I can't handle the teacups, how's the rest of this next two days gonna go, you know? But we were committed. We were devoted. Nothing was going to stand in the way of the magic of Disney for the first time for me and my children. Well, finally, the next day, we get to Pastor Pritipin's favorite ride. And his favorite ride that was on his bucket list was the Star Wars Rise of Resistance, of the Resistance, okay? Yeah, it's so good. And listen, this is not this is not a ride where you just jump on and you jump off. No, 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 no. You enter into the story of the Rise of the Resistance, okay? What they do is they take your family, and they say kids are allowed, so don't think we just tortured our kids. They said kids were allowed. So we go into the to a Star Wars ship, a real Star Wars ship. We go into it, and we're in the story, and they're like, hey, you know, you're, we're in the story, and we're flying, and all of a sudden, the dark side force starts capturing our uh, ship and starts bringing it in. I don't even know what that's called. And we get in there, and it's, they've taken over, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're in this ship, and I tell you what, my kids, it's dark, and there's no windows, and there's weird sounds and lights coming from anywhere. I could tell my kids were starting to get a little bit nervous, you know. Then, we've been captured now, right? And so then they open the door, and they say, walk this way. And we go to this long corridor where we wait 20 minutes to get on the actual ride. And the corridor, like I said, had no windows. It had nothing. It was just kind of this long, like, stale place. And my daughter is, at this time, so scared that she's weeping. And she says, Mom, I just want to go back to Earth. I just want to go back to Earth. And I say, baby, we are at Hollywood Studios at Disney World in Florida. We are still on the Earth. It's okay. It's okay. But she's like, please, just take me back to Earth. And finally, my son is freaking out. My poor little boy, he's 
he's nonverbal, so he can't even tell. This guy offers him an Oreo just to try to calm him down, right? And I mean, I tell you what, we are just, but we are still devoted. We are still in this. We are now captured by the dark side. We get into the, the actual ride, and we go, and we fight Rilo Ken, and we beat him. We beat him. And it was epic, and it was incredible, and all of that melting down and the claustrophobia that I was having in that long, dark corridor, uh, corridor I tell you what, it was worth it, and we won. The, the, the dark side was not going to get the jivas, amen? <laughs> not today, not today. And so I tell you what, people told us, listen, Disney is miserable, what are you guys thinking? This is gonna be really hard, but you know what, we were devoted, and we immersed ourselves into the magic of Disney and so it is with our relationship with Christ I tell you what it is the most most worthwhile relationship you will ever have you know I'm gonna stand here in 2024 and I'm gonna say I am betting everything on Jesus I am giving him everything I want to be so devoted to who God is but I know that it can be difficult and for some of us we're just halfway doing it we're a little bit scared if I go too far into Christianity what is that going to mean about me I'm going to be affiliated and associated with things I don't know that I, you know just all these reasons that we don't get devoted we don't give ourselves fully to Jesus and Christianity is not just a box that we check. Check, I went to church. Check, I read my Bible. Check, I preached. No, this is a living, breathing, ongoing fellowship with the King of Kings. And I know it can be hard. And for some of us, man, we're just, we walk this complacent Christianity. And it just kind of is there, right? We, we sometimes show up in a relationship with God. And many times we don't. You know, I was thinking... <clears throat> What if Acts 2.42 described today's complacent Christians? Now, I'm not saying everyone is, but for those of us that struggle with complacency, what if this was talking about us? So I rewrote it uh, in what I would like to call the modern Christian version of Acts 2.42. I just wrote this scripture as if it were some of us who struggle with complacency, who just have said we're Christians, but really we struggle to live this life. And uh, this is what I wrote down. This is what it might look like if instead Acts 42 was talking about the, the first century Christians, it was talking about today's Christians. They devoted themselves to well themselves. They isolated from each other, praying only when they desperately needed something from God. Rather than a sense of awe that came over the first century Christians, entitlement and complacency became what it meant to be a modern Christian. Instead of seeing the miraculous signs and wonders, they settled for status quo Christianity where skepticism and cynicism became greater than a wholehearted faith in Jesus Christ. Ouch, right? Ouch, this is not what I want it to mean to be a modern Christian today. I mean, for so many of us, hey, we're good people. We're not trying to just be halfway in our relationship with Christ. I'm just trying to get through college. I'm trying to graduate. I'm trying to get a house. I'm trying to get married. I'm trying to have kids. And at some point, what happens is we become more fixated and more devoted on what we think a successful life is rather than being devoted to Jesus. So fixated, so offended when life doesn't go our way because we were just devoted to actually something that wasn't a devotion to Jesus Christ, an ongoing fellowship with him. 
I think for some of us, we, uh, we just have this feast or famine devotion to Jesus, you know? We're like, God, I need help! Come save me! And then we don't talk to him again for the rest of the year, you know? We have this feast or famine. Some of us, we just get distracted. Listen, I know what it's like. I'm talking to myself here. I'm preaching to myself. We get so distracted because there are so many distractions. We're saying, yes, this is the year I'm going to be devoted to Jesus. And then next week, we get super distracted by something. Something happens in our lives. Something doesn't go the way that we thought. And we're just spinning all over again. I love this quote by Andy Stanley. It says this, the things I get distracted by are never as important as the thing I'm distracted from. Isn't that powerful? So maybe you are the person that's saying this year, this is my year to be devoted to Jesus. I want to say good for you. Awesome. I think you can do it. I think we can do it. I think we as the body of Christ all over, we can be known for our devotion to Jesus. Don't you want to be known for that? And so as we look at this, I want to see what does it actually look like to do this? I want to answer the question. I want to try to answer the question, how do we do this? What does devotion to Jesus really look like? How do we break this down in a meaningful way in our lives? Well, there's a scripture that talks about this so beautifully. And I want to read it here, John 15. But before I do, there is a word, one word, that appears eight times in this scripture. I want you to see if you can figure out which word it is and how meaningful it is. John 15, one through eight says this. Jesus is talking. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Did anybody figure out what the word is that, that appeared eight times? Remain. Remain. Fruit was in there a lot. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. We're starting out this year, right? It's all right. The one we're focusing on today is remain. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And what this tells us is this. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And what that really helps me understand is that a branch is literally designed to be connected to the vine in order to flourish. And so it is with us. We were designed. We have a design in us by God to be connected to him, to live an optimal life. Not be connected to money or our job or politics or whatever. No, 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 no. Listen, you are designed by God to be connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. And then you can be called my disciples, the scripture says. And what I love about this is that it, it, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, be connected to me. You know what he says? He says, remain in me and I will remain in what? You. We're not 
out here just trying to grasp, trying to see if we can get a hold of Jesus. No, Jesus wants to walk with you. He's devoted to you too. He wants to live a life that is meaningful and that matters with you, with you. You know, the, the Greek word for remain in this, it actually means to abide, to abide with Christ. You know, we were just on a plane back from Florida. We were flying Frontier Airlines. I did not know this, but Frontier does not have plugs anymore for your cell phone. And I said to Pradeep and I said, how do they expect us to keep our kids quiet if we can't plug in the iPads? You know, like babies are going to be crying all over the place because there's no screen time on the thing, on the plane, because we can't plug anything in, you know? I mean, they were designed to be plugged in to the electrical source. I mean, some of you computer programmers, you were the ones that did this, right? And they are, they are connected, they're designed to be plugged in in order to, to work. And it's the same way with us. You may not choose to opt in to Jesus. It doesn't change the fact that by design, you were created by God to flourish being connected to him. It doesn't change that fact. And so I want to tell you this morning that God truly wired us up to be people who thrive with him. Now, there are some psychological and scientific evidences coming out proving that our neurobiology is impacted by faith. What do you know? Like we were made for this, right? There was an article entitled Miracle of the Mind, the Transformative Power of Neuroscience and Faith by Hope College. And I want to read this little article to you. It says this. One of the most fascinating abilities that the brain has is the ability to adapt to its environment, rewire, and transform its internal neural networks based on experiences in one's life. This phenomenon is entitled neuroplasticity. When one or more neurons wire together and fire an action potential together, there are specific metabolic changes that occur. When neurons fire together, they wire together. This can impact our nervous system. When reconciling the design of the nervous system according to neuroscience and the human neuroscience and the human design according to God's word, there appears to be nothing but harmony. God knit together the intricate wiring of our nervous system, and the gifts that he gave us are established through this beautiful design. For instance, one cannot demonstrate the biblical virtue of patience without engagement in the parasympathetic activation through the nervous system. The mind was ultimately created to enable humans to accomplish more than imaginable through the power of the nervous system and the Holy Spirit. Church, we were made to remain. We were made, our mental health, our emotional health, our being was created to be connected to Jesus Christ so that we can flourish, so that we can have true life coming through our veins. And I want to tell you this morning, when we are not connected to Jesus, what does the scripture say? It says, when we are not connected to the vine, we wither. We wither. And I wonder if some of you are coming out of 2023 feeling like you withered most of the year, feeling lifeless, feeling like you, you need not just a jump, but, but you, you need just to be ushered into the presence of God in a way that would really be meaningful for your life. I don't want you to go into 2024 feeling withered. We need to be connected to the vine. How is it that we go from being devoted, this is my goal, this is my passion, I am going to just do whatever it takes this year to be devoted to Jesus, how do we go from that to then all of a sudden months later just feeling withered? What happened? 
in between there? Well, I want to show you. I have an illustration to help us see this. And I got this illustration from another pastor named Craig Rochelle, and it was so good that I had to show it to you this morning. But I need some audience participation, okay? You ready for this? I'm going to put up on the screen one line. You see this one line? This line represents one week, okay? Now, let me ask you, does anybody know how many hours are in one week? There are 168 hours in one week, okay? So these little lines all represent the 168 hours that are in a week. Now, statistically, we spend one-third of our time in a week doing what? Anybody know? Sleeping. That's right, sleeping. Unless you have insomnia or something or a new baby, I'm really sorry. Most of us, the rest of us are spending one-third of our time sleeping, right? The other third of our time, the next third of our time, goes toward work or to school, right? We have to do those things, go to work or to school. And that leaves us now with 56 flexible hours remaining. 56. Now, I want you to guess, how many hours do you think the average social media user is online. How many hours? Okay, five to eight, three, anybody else? Wanna take a guess? Okay, in first service I heard like 60, we didn't talk to some people, you know? It's too much, that's too much. All right, there are, we spend, the average social media user spends 17 hours per week on social media. That's still a lot, my friends, okay? Okay, so now what are we down to? We are down to 39 hours left for all the other stuff. What's the other stuff? It's getting my car fixed. It's taking my children to swim lessons. It's cooking. It's, it's feeding animals. It's doing all of these things. It's buying stuff on Amazon. It's rearranging my house. It's doing all of this stuff. And we spend all these hours doing all of these different things that we feel like have to get done. Laundry, then we pick our kids up from swim and we take them to acting class. I don't know, but it's just constant, right? We just have thing after thing after thing and all of a sudden we have now then used up the rest of the 39 hours and we have one hour left one hour left in the week and most of us who would call ourselves devoted Christians give that one hour to Jesus we give that one hour to God I don't know about you but I've never been able to progress in anything that I only gave one hour a week to you know, I, if you think about it, if you go work out and you want to see progress working out, if you only give one hour a week to it, do you think you're going to see a lot of progress? No. If I only spoke to my husband one hour a week, do you think we'd have a happy marriage? Well, I'm a big talker, so it might actually help our marriage. I don't know. But I'm telling you what. Most likely, if you are just giving one hour to Jesus, this is when you go from I want to be devoted to I feel withered. I feel disconnected from the vine. And I want to tell you this morning, church, that God has designed us to remain in him, to not wither. I don't want your soul to wither in 2024. I want you to make the most important thing about you your devotion to Jesus. The scripture says, then you will be called my disciples, right? Let's be followers that are connected that remain, then abide in Jesus. Okay, now, I want to spend the rest of this time, I want to break this down for you. 
what does this actually look like? How do we actually live this out? I understand now that I'm giving a lot of time of my week to everything else, but how do I really stay devoted and connected to Jesus? You know, I used to think that in order to have a thriving relationship with Jesus, I would have to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning for an hour, go into my little, you know, Bible spiritual nook and read my Bible and have a floral journal that I journaled in. I thought that's what it meant to do that. You know, and I became legal about that. And when I didn't do that, I thought I failed, you know? But let's be real. I ain't getting up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I don't have a nook in my house. There's no privacy in my house, okay? And number three, by the end of the day, when I wake up at five in the morning, spend an hour with God, by the end of that day, my Christianity is gone because I just spent all my time with God in that hour. Some of you may know this story. I love telling this story because it was a wake-up call for me, okay, where I realized that I needed to have a daily, ongoing relationship with Jesus all day, not just one time in the day, which I'm going to introduce you to a term that we're going to be committed to this year. But a few years ago, Pastor Pradeepan and I were downtown Bellevue. I want to tell you this, preface it by this. We were meeting, we started our church in the comedy club in downtown Bellevue. We were a portable church, okay? And one night, Pastor Pradeepan and I, we decided to go out for a date night, and I was trying to park the car. I tried to park in this really, like, squeezed little spot, and I'm trying to back up and go in and back up and go in. Well, this guy is in his car, and he comes up right behind my car, and he's trying to get around me, and he, 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 he felt like he couldn't get around me. I thought there was enough space, but he didn't. And so he comes right up behind me and I'm like, babe, I can't back up anymore and keep going. Are you following? I'm trying to get into this spot. So Pastor Pradeepan gets out of the car and he's like, okay, come a little bit. Oh, stop. Okay, go back in. Okay, come a little bit. Go. You know, we're going back and forth on this. And sure enough, this guy gets so sick of waiting that he hits Pradeepan with his car. I'm not kidding, not our car. He hit Pradeepan. I, in the side mirror of our car, I saw Pastor Pradeepan go down. Now, he was okay. And I learned when I told this story in the past that I need to tell people more earlier in the story that he was okay, <laughs> rather than wait till the end. He was okay, okay? He just popped right back up, you know? But he went down, and I'm telling you what, you guys, a fire of rage really began to come in me. Like, beyond, I can't even tell you how it felt. It was, in, it was so intense. And I got out of the car, little four foot 11 me. I got out of the car, and I went over to this guy who was still sitting in his car, and I said some things <laughs> that cannot be repeated at church. I said some things and man was I mad. And I was like, you, did you just hit my husband with your car? Are you crazy? And I used some choice words. And Pastor Pradeepan later, he was like, Amrita, did you think that was going to de-escalate or escalate the situation? I said, babe, I didn't think. I was raging. I would, you do not mess with my people, okay? Don't mess with my people. And I tell you what, it was a wake-up call because all these people were watching and we were right out in front of our church. And here I am, this pastor that's just given this guy an earful. He was scary, by the way, but I was something, again, I did not care. And so, I mean, I, I just was so upset, but I realized, man, I jeopardized my witness. I jeopardized it because I was not filled continually all day with the Spirit of God. Now, am I saying you shouldn't be mad about stuff like that? No. That's not what it means to be spiritual. What I'm saying is you still got to watch your mouth. There's still people watching. You still carry a light within you in all of these moments. And I want to be devoted to Jesus. And so I want to introduce you to a term today called the daily office. We need to embrace the daily office. Everybody say daily office. Daily 
Okay, this is what it means. It means uh, that we connect to the vine more than one time a day. The daily office comes from the Latin word opus or work. Practicing, watch this, practicing the daily office means pausing two, three, or even four times a day to do the work of God, which is to commune with him. For the early church, the daily office was always the work of God, and there was nothing that was more important. This was their priority. Now listen, if you're somebody who gets up in the morning or at night and you do devotions, that's awesome. But don't make that the only time you commune with your father every day. Make that one of two, three, four times throughout the day. The term came from Trappist monks who did four things every day. They did prayer, work, and study. And so I want to just rush through this real quick because I'm almost out of time. I want you to pull out your phone and I want you to take a picture of this next slide because this is what it looks like to operate in a devotion to Jesus. This is practical for those of you that need practical. There's four steps, okay? Now, you don't have to do all four steps. Maybe you only have two minutes. That's fine. But we're trying trying to be devoted. We're trying to connect with God multiple times throughout our day. So what does it mean to operate with the daily office? Number one, stop. Pause to be with the living God. Number two, center yourself. Focus on God. Think about him. Take your mind off all the stuff and think about God. Number three, silence. Quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. Man, silence has rocked my world and my relationship with God. I'm telling you what, I started practicing uh, solitude and silence and it, it mattered greatly. And number four, scripture. Meditate on scripture. Pay attention to what God is doing inside of you. Again, maybe this is two minutes that you have. Maybe it's 20 minutes. I want to tell you what it looks like for me in the mornings when I wake up, before I even get out of bed, I say, Holy Spirit, come. And I just be still. And I just say, Holy Spirit, fill me before I even start my day. I don't even open my Bible first thing in the morning, but I say, Holy Spirit, come. Then I drive my, then I go on a walk and I listen to a podcast called 10-Minute Bible Talks and I meditate on the word of God and then I pray and then I listen to God before I'm done with my walk. And then in, 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 I, I pray with my daughter but as I'm taking her to school and then at night I read scripture and I read a book normally that's about God. And that's two, three, four times a day that we're connecting the daily office. This is the most important work of our lives. Do you get it? And this is how we stay devoted to Jesus. We get into this habit and this rhythm where I am fellowshipping with my maker and I'm staying connected to the vine because that's how I flourish because that was my design, right? And so I want to tell you that the daily office doesn't put us in a position to get something from God, but to be with God throughout the day. We want to be with God. How many of you want to be with God? You want to be devoted to him this year. Listen, it'll change your life. When you walk with the spirit of God, it matters deeply. It begins to change your attitude. It begins to change how you speak with people. It lasts so by the end of the night, you're not you know, yelling at random guys in their cars or your children at night. You know, Like walking with God and the spirit of God, it is profound. And some of you, you need that in your life. God wants to breathe back into your withered soul. And you can walk with him, it's not too late. I wanna end with this story this morning. Real quickly, last year in 2022, New Year's Eve, 
I sat down and I, I found this prompt online that I loved as I looked into the new year. And the prompt said this, write down three things that you want to give to God this year and three things that you want to get from God this year, that you need from God this year. So I sat down and I really took inventory of my heart and I decided to write down three things. And one of those things, I, I, I want to be vulnerable and be honest with you, it was something that was really heavy for my life. I needed to be free of it. I needed to be healed of it. And one of the things I said is, God, one of the three things I need from you is to stop believing the lie that my son's disabilities are my fault. I believed that and I carried that for a long time. And when I thought about what do I need from God, I need him to deliver me from this guilt. I need him to take away this lie that would just speak to me over and over again. And you know what happened? I wrote that down. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't share it with a soul. It was private. It was for me. It was between me and God. And then I want to tell you that it did not take all of 2023 for me to be healed and delivered from that lie. It only took two weeks. You want to know why? Because all of a sudden, Pastor Pradeepan and I were sitting in a ramen restaurant over by Crossroads. I remember all of this. And, and we're sitting there, and Pastor Pradeepan says, hey, I just got off the phone with our guest speaker who's about to come to Kalos. This was last year. He's about to come to Kalos. They were talking logistics about this guest speaker coming. And, and Pradeepan said, and then he said the funniest thing before he got off the phone. He said, hey, Pradeepan, he said, before we get off the phone, I want you to, would you, would you tell Amritha that the Lord wants her to know that it's not her fault that you're your son has disabilities. And I teared up. And I pulled out my phone. I had not shared this with him, and I showed it to him. I said, look what I just wrote down two weeks ago that I would be free of in 2023. And God did it in two weeks. When we walk in devotion with Jesus, it matters so deeply in our lives. It matters so deeply in our lives. So I want to pray for you this morning as I end. I want to pray that you would have not just steam to be devoted to God, but you would practice these practical daily office times of fellowship with Jesus, and you're going to see that your soul will flourish. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you, God, for your spirit. I thank you for being faithful. God, even when we're not faithful, you are faithful, and you are there, and you are real. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone who feels withered this morning, everyone who says, I, I want to try. I don't know if I can do it. But, Father, I'm asking for an anointing and a blessing on them. Lord Jesus, that they would get around some people that would spur them on and love them and encourage them. We love you, Jesus. And we decide 2024 is the year that we are going to make the most important thing about our life, our devotion to Jesus. In your precious name. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.